0: Welcome everyone, (laughs) shout out to all the babies that were here. I lost count after a while, yay babies. Um, I'm Catherine Robertson, it's my very great pleasure to be presenting this session, chairing this session on motherhood with Emily Wrights and Holly McNish. And I need to thank um, the people who've made this possible for them both to be here, which is Penguin Random House, Lawrence and Gibson, Creative Scotland, and the British Council. And I just want to say, we'll, 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 we'll tell you, it's a, it should be a surprise at the end, but we're going to bring on um, Brandovan Nunnalingham as well to do some reading from uh, his contribution to Emily's latest book. So Emily writes, I mean, again, you know, we all, we all know Emily. Um, she's a writer, <laughs> she's a, online and in print, she's the editor of the spin-off Parents, she's an occasional somewhat notorious film critic. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Her first book, Rants in the Dark, was based on her online writing, on her parent, online parenting book. And that was all her own writing, but the second book that's come out, Is It Bedtime Yet?, contains her own writing, but also uh, those some very amusing and poignant and amazing essays by various guest writers and contributors. And Holly, Holly McNish is now a full-time poet, which if you've read, Nobody Told Me, as was an exciting development in that book, wasn't it? Oh. Um, in 2015, she won the UK Arts Foundation Fellowship in Spoken Word. And Nobody Told Me, if you haven't read it yet, is a collection of her poems, um, her writings, her sort of memoirs, it's kind of like a diary from the time when she first found out she was pregnant through to I think her daughter's about two years
1: old. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and one thing you won't know, um, but I was at the New Zealand Book Awards for Children and Young Adults, and Ruth Paul, who, whose book I Am Jellyfish won um, the best picture book, uh, read Reading to You, yeah, is her I acceptance so nice. speech, did you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it made people cry. Even Ruth had to stop partway through, and it was like, like not a dry eye, it was absolutely brilliant. So I think I'd like to start Let's get into the swing of things with having a reading from both Holly and Emily and you can fight as to who goes first.
2: Can I go first, cause I can't follow you. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, I was serious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, okay. Um, is, okay, um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna read a thing. Sorry, and these are so awkward. <laughs> um, I don't. I'm, do I sit? I'm not gonna you stand. Can sit. <laughs> you yeah. sit. Right. Is that all right if I just sit? I'm just gonna sit awkwardly. I'll try. Pretend and look you're up. on the side of the bed, and everybody's like in bed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> all right. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's your parenting style? Are you an attachment parent, a helicopter parent, a free-range parent, an authoritative parent, an evolutionary parent, a paleo parent, a tiger parent? (laughs) Oh, parenting philosophies. It seems these days everyone has one. A guiding set of principles can be great and thankfully there are heaps of different ways to parent. I was kind of into attachment parenting, but I don't like being around my children that much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm too lazy to be a helicopter parent. I could be a free-range parent because I have white privilege, which means if I just let my kids roam around the neighborhood and then blog about it ad nauseum without having to consider why I'm able to do this and other mothers can't. Evolutionary parenting, well, it sounds appealing. If it's good enough for a cave mum with a life expectancy of 22, it's good enough for this millennial. (laughs) In short, I'm on the hunt for a philosophy that works for me. Here are 10 new philosophies that are sure to be written about in Time magazine in two years. Number one, the can you just not mama is really tired parenting. (laughs) This parenting style involves laying on the couch while your children draw on the walls and climb all over you. It involves moaning, oh, go and play trains every five minutes or so. It's great for teaching independence, because it's important that children learn to be content and happy in their own company. (laughs) Can you just not, mama is really tired parents tend to have children who are non-sleepers. That's why they, can you just not, mama is really tired parents in the first place. Number two, mama is on the phone. I said I'm on the phone (laughs) parenting. Is there any greater joy than being a stay at home parent but also having to work, otherwise you can't afford groceries? (laughs) A growing group of mothers who are working stay at home parents are turning to mama is on the phone, I said I'm on the phone parenting so they can truly have it all. This style of parenting involves apologising profusely to the person you're talking to on the phone, asking clients and people you're interviewing to, please, can you repeat that, (laughs) saying, no, honestly, it's fine, now is a good time, six (laughs) to eight times a day, and reassuring people that your children aren't murdering each other. This parenting philosophy also includes a weak smile to give to other parents who say, you're so lucky you've got the best of both worlds. Number three is cucumber parenting. You know your child will eat a cucumber, and it's at least healthy, so it's okay if they eat an entire cucumber and nothing else every day. (laughs) Everything will be fine, honestly. Cucumbers are super healthy and probably have heaps of nutrients. Just don't Google it. This type of parenting is defined by doing the best you can within the limits of your child's ridiculous and frankly batshit fucking crazy (laughs) quirks. So they want to wear a snowsuit with a beanie, two gloves, two pairs of socks and a scarf, and it's 24 degrees. Let them. Cucumber kids learn that their choices are not always good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, cucumber is mostly water, so they'll hydrate while they're sweating and insisting that they're not too hot. (laughs) Pinocchio parenting. The other day I said to another mother, yeah, same, totally. I don't let my kids eat McDonald's either, while my child's face was covered in sweet and sour sauce and he was holding a chicken (laughs) nugget. This is Pinocchio parenting, it's a must for insecure parents with anxiety. (laughs) Lying about how you parent is a great life hack. I don't ever give my child juice, I limit screen time, and my child totally sleeps through the night. My oldest has been out of nappies since he was two. My youngest just asked me if he could have a nap in three different languages. (laughs) You two can be a perfect parent if you just lie about everything. (laughs) Number five is Instagram parenting, where you lock your children in a crate so you can get your lounge clean for that perfect flat lay. (laughs) Number six is capybara parenting. You've heard of tiger parenting and dolphin parenting. Well, capybara parenting is all the rage now. Capybaras are chill as fuck. They're like little wine barrels on legs. They live with other mum capybaras and they just hang out eating and sleeping and watching each other's kids. All the baby capybaras are looked after by whichever mum has the most energy. When one mum capybara is tired or if her second glass of wine was a heavy pour, the other <laughs> capybara mums just look after her child or put on pepper Pig. <laughs> or they build a fort and say to the kids, let's play a game called how long can you stay quiet and not break anything while the mummies are on the deck. They don't judge each other when their baby capybaras are feral. They just chill and are like, do you want some more cake? Is your cider okay? And girl, your hair is so good. Do you want a hen (laughs) of (laughs) mine? Number seven is on display parenting. When you're at Chipmunks and you say to your child, see that camera? It's a whinging camera and it can detect whinging. If you keep whinging at me, that camera will alert the security team and they'll come over and they'll have to take you away and you'll never ever come back and you'll probably be sent to jail. And then another mother comes up and you quickly say, thank you for expressing yourself. I see you, I hear you, I validate your feelings. Let me count to 10 and take some deep breaths and then we can have a fruit cup together. (laughs) We love to share, don't we? Mummy loves you. (laughs) Eight is once a week music class parenting. Once a week music class class parenting is when you can justify letting your child watch 18 hours of Paw Patrol because you took them to that one music (laughs) class where everyone knew each other but you didn't know anyone and you forgot to bring a fucking donation and you didn't have the (laughs) actions to any of the songs and your child just lay on the ground screaming until they shit their pants and you realised you forgot the wipes. Number nine is, oh, that's not my child parenting. (laughs) This is when someone comes up and says, excuse me, is that your child over there? And points to the kid who has buried himself up to the neck in the sandpit is now calling all the other kids in the playground fascists, And you say, oh, that's not my child. And go back to your phone. Number 10. The final is Cub Scout parenting. When I was a kid, I went to Scouts. The leader would say, Cubs, do your best, and we would shout out, we will do our best. It was a rally cry and a promise, one that suits parenting. We make promises when we make a family, to our children, to ourselves, to our partners, to our families. We promise to do our best, not the best, just our best. We promise to love and care for our babies, and we promise to try. Some days are so long and hard, and we struggle to understand this as our babies grow so fast before our eyes. How is it that we carry them one day and the next day they say, can I walk, mama? We close our eyes and count, or we take a deep breath and smile when they're screaming, you are not my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) When precious things are broken, we keep perspective because our most precious things aren't broken. We stand in the doorways of nurseries and bedrooms, smiling and sighing. We lay on the floor by cots with tiny hands wrapped around our fingers as we hum lullabies. As the night falls and we keep on parenting, we whisper thanks for all that we have. We do our best. Sometimes our best doesn't feel like it's good enough, but it is. Sometimes, <sighs> but we keep doing our best every day for the best things that have happened to us, we do our best.
0: Well.
2: Sorry. <laughs> I, I have no kids here, and last night, like, I inhaled so many rosés and I'm just real hungover. <laughs> I have that <laughs> water. <laughs> Sorry. I know I probably should have passed that off as I'm like such a good mum that talking about my children makes me teary, but it's actually just that. Like I'm like. <laughs> Thank you. So now Holly's <laughs> got
0: to follow that I and, <laughs> and I shouldn't have worn any mascara. It's going to be bad.
3: And I'm hungover. Well. <laughs> <I'm> laughing. <laughs> oh, that was great. Great. All right. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll read this poem, I think. I just, uh, every picture of my daughter from the age of, like, one until three, she's got a cucumber in the pram. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even chop it up. It's just a whole cucumber. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, great. All right. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll read this poem. This is, uh, it's called Megatron, and... um, I wrote it when my daughter was two years and six months old. And it was, it was one of the first, first days that um, me, and, me and her dad went on, like, a, a, a date night. We call it a date night. I don't know why when you're a parent. Um, and it was him choosing what we would do. And it was sort of our f- first night out and then, and then overnight. And he, um, he took me to see the Transformers movie. After. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which... <laughs> was fine. Like, I quite like it, but it wasn't what I expected for giving,
2: <laughs> giving birth to his fucking child. <laughs> um,
3: so, yeah. So, we talked about which Transformer was best for a while after we um, were, were walking back. And then I got really bored of the conversation about Transformers. <laughs> so, I, I wrote this poem. Um, but <laughs> yeah. It's called Megatron. <coughs> he said... Megatron's the best one. If I was one, it's him. Optimus Prime's all nice and stuff, but it's Megatron who really wins. I've listened so many times to this since last week's sodden Transformers hit, and I smile until today I say, Megatron ain't shit. <laughs> last year, my hip bones moved another half an inch back together. He said, Holly, Megatron lives forever. I said, Megatron's not real. If you want to see a real live transformer, come and have a feel. <laughs> <laughs> and I pushed his fingers closer and then right inside my stomach to fill the gap my muscles left from something I now know a bit as birth. And I knew that this would hurt, but I didn't know the rest that there's a hole inside my stomach till the day I'm laid to rest. And no, you're right, I said, it's not the same. I didn't turn into a car. I turned into a factory, a life support and cooker. As my body started morphing, my insides realigned. My digestive system shifted and completely redesigned itself itself. No help from the Decepticons or the Autobots. What vitamins I'd got moved from my blood into hers now. The direction of my nutrients redirected into hers. How? I don't know. Everyone sees the stomach grow. We do not see the rest. Rib cages cranking up to make more space for babies. Legs diaphragm moves down. Your womb fills up with fluid and a brown line on your skin appears and no one even drew it. A brown line on your skin from between your legs to boobs. The only line a child can see to lead them to the food. Labour came and went. Something that I won't forget. Baby now in my arms and my system shifted once again. Digestion redirected to two breasts that grew one night, bigger than a large, ripe pair of cantaloupes. (laughs) Get me a pump, I yelled, genuinely worried that they might explode. (laughs) My, (laughs) My boobs stay warm to heat the milk. My nipples make a hole. And every time the baby drinks, the suction makes my womb shrink back. My hips move back. My ribs and diaphragm move back. My hair grow back. My back stretch back. And after two more years of doing that, my system shifted back. Nutrients came back into my own body's blood again. And now, I'm almost back to how I was before that seed took life. Complete transformation without one single robot fight, and no one made an action film of this. (laughs) In fact, all my body has to show for it are the markings on my belly. My hip bones stayed apart a bit, and my boobs are pretty saggy. But the saddest thing of all is that I'm told these marks are bad but they're the only few reminders of this process we all have as the real-life time transformers. I'm saying Megatron ain't shit compared <laughs> to female bodies to prepare to grow and feed a kid. And the only thing our body's given for this Optimus of Primes is a pot of fucking stretch muck cream to try to hide the signs. <laughs> 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 so amazing.
0: Oh, thank you both. That was actually brilliant. Thank you. Now, I've read, I read Rants in the Dark and um, Is It Bedtime Yet? and read Nobody Told Me. And I, I love the humour, I love all the honesty and the refreshing, you know, the refreshing frankness of it all. Um, and, but I mean, underneath it all, there is like this undercurrent of kind of frustration and sometimes anger at the judgment mothers, and, you know, and dads as well are subject to. Um, you know, it's almost as if, like, child raises uh, public property and everybody has the right to comment on your worth, you know, as a woman, as a mother, as a productive member of society, etc. You know, and sort of everyone is also judging you by standards that either they've forgotten that they never achieved in the first place (laughs) or that are just absolutely impossible to achieve, you know. And so, I mean, I'll start with Holly. I mean, why do parents and mothers in particular come under such intense and such critical scrutiny?
3: I don't know. No. I, I mean, that's a rubbish answer, but I've been trying to, I've been trying to work that out. Like, it's, yeah, the, the moment I was pregnant, I found it. It's like, I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's like other things that are visible, I guess. It's like people that have visible, like, I don't know, whatever. But, yeah, as soon as I was pregnant, I found... It was it was judged, and I I've, I guess for me I don't know if it's the same with everyone, but for me it was that like people could finally see that I'd had sex, like I'd had unprotected <laughs> sex, and I remember thinking that oh my god, like loads of people, my, my grands both said that that like, oh well we know that you you know you've done it now, and that, you know that sort of thing. And I remember when I was pregnant, I got um, moved to first class in, in vir, Virgin trains Ironically. in the UK, and you get you get you can go into first class if you pregnant the guy told me it's like why are you sitting here you can sit in there and I told I told my family when I got to Scotland they were like that's weird isn't it on a virgin train (laughs) yeah yeah you're right not a virgin not a virgin so I think like with that it's like it's like it's still this idea of like yeah I think for me I was 26 I wasn't like I wasn't really young. I'm sure my family maybe knew I'd already had sex, I think. (laughs) But I think that, it was so public, and it was immediately like people touching your stomach when they wouldn't do that. And I know people talk about that, but it is such a thing. Mm. It's like, I would have preferred you to just rub my belly when I wasn't pregnant, I think. (laughs) I quite like like it now, (laughs) but no one tries to do it anymore. Yeah, and then I guess when I had her, I was amazed at, again, how different it was. Cafes that I'd been in like the week before when I was pregnant, and I felt like I could not Mm. I wasn't welcome in cafes, I wasn't welcome in trains, I wasn't welcome on buses, like everywhere. I just felt so, yeah, aware. Mm. I think as well because we we want people to behave well, but like babies and kids aren't robots. Mm.
1: The idea that
3: we should definitely be able to make them like not cry at this time or sleep at this time or feed Mm. at this time. Or not scream at this time.
2: Or not scream
3: or not vomit or
2: whatever. Yeah. I think we have a view about children where we kind of see them as like these half- Humans like, they're not fully human beings, and I find that that uh, that approach people have is... It's not, like, at the micro end of the scale, it's, like, this is why you get treated like shit in a cafe and it's really unfair. But on the much larger scale, it actually is, like, child abuse and that type of thing. When we treat children as things we own that we can control and make them do whatever we want, you know, that is we just don't view children as active members of our society. And we and there's so much of the rhetoric and narrative around this. Like when people are like, children are these things that will one day have potential instead of they have so much like they're they're fully formed incredible beings now. But this idea that you can't learn from them or or they can't teach you anything, or they don't have anything to offer until they become, like, tax paying units. And there's something (laughs) that needs to be controlled and corralled and
0: everything. I think it's quite political
3: as well. I think that's one thing I thought was shocking. Like, I got pregnant just as I finished uni, and I was studying economics, and, and then when, kind of motherhood and parenting came along, I thought, God, this isn't on any of the, like, economics conferences I was going to about health or about, like, pay or, or it was seen as, like, this private thing that you do in private. And I think that's a bit bollocks as well. And I I don't know what it's like here. But in England, like when I've gone to other countries in Europe, it's amazingly easier to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Like one of my friends in, <laughs> who's from Poland, she came over to live in England, and we went and got the train together, and she was like, where's the loud carriage? I was like, what? Where's the what? Oh. <laughs> Just like little things like that. So we've got like yeah. a quiet coach on every train for like people that don't want to hear anyone speaking mm. or playing music. But they've also mm. got a loud coach for like Hindus do, stacked stack and children, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and the same at like at airport. But I think like little changes like that in politics and in like, well, I worked in planning for like seven years, but like urban design and stuff mm. would make it a lot easier to be a parent. I don't mm. think it's a... Yeah. It's a private thing. Yeah. Like, don't put the sweets near the checkout. Don't, like mm. all these little things that make your life fucking misery when you're yeah. walking around with a child. Mm. Or on, we always have this debate in, in England about um, buses and whether someone with a pushchair is taking the space of someone with a wheelchair. Mm. And then someone from Sweden was like, "Oh, we just make enough space on buses for both." Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's a good idea. But it's and and. and <laughs> I get the train all the time and the amount like in the, in the same. It's always bloody Sweden or like Denmark. Mm. They're fucking good at everything. And then, <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. The same on trains. Every time I'm on a train and I could travel loads for doing gigs, there's always a parent sat in the vestibule because mm. you can't bring, the, you can't get into the seat and it's just easier and you're like, oh, do you, and you can't go and get a tea and coffee and, or drive in. I had to piss in a nappy when mm. I was driving to a gig. And <laughs> I phoned up my mum and was like, oh, I've just while driving down the motorway into an appy because I, I can't wake her up to go to the service station toilet. Yeah. And my friend again, I can't remember Germany, probably Germany or Sweden or somewhere. She said, oh, we've got places where you can just pull up next to the toilet on the motorway service. It's like, oh, come on. But my mum, but I said, I've, I've pissed an appy mum. This is like the low point. And she was like, oh, we've all done it. We've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's more political than we give it credit for. All this stuff is more, like, economic and political. The whole, um,
2: the personal (laughs) is political, I think, is no more clearer than in motherhood because it's totally, um, it's about accessibility. It's about um, the way that we treat um, people around age and oh, yeah. that type of thing. There's lots of things that we do to children and babies that we would never do to other, or the way we talk about them, the fact that it's just acceptable to be like, oh, I hate kids. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, I hate you. Like, <laughs> what the what fuck is wrong with you that you think that's an acceptable thing to say? And then, like, when you go into a cafe and the second you walk in, it's like, people are just like, you motherfucker coming in. And, out. <laughs> and it's like... I have to sit here and listen to your boring ass talk about, you know, Mm. like, oh, how your eggs are, or whatever the fuck you're talking about, and it's like, (laughs) do you say that to them? Oh, I just, I, I feel like, (laughs) no, I blog about it later. (laughs) 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 But you know, like I don't. As a result, of, like I don't take my kids out um, to cafes. I don't take them out to restaurants and stuff like that. I take them to Chipmunks, and Chipmunks is like Chipmunks. You know, it's an indoor is playground. It like a yeah, and the food horrible? You know, yeah. Well, the food is. Uh, the chicken nuggets are quite good. Before I became a vegetarian, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a vegetarian now. So now I just look at them. But um, <laughs> but the. <laughs> there was not the tangent I was going on. But, um, but the thing is, we shouldn't, you know, just this attitude where you can't actually call people up about being like, you know, you can't actually say, hey, it's not all right to talk this way about children. Because when you're talking about this way about children, not only are you talking this way about children, but you're talking about mothers that way. You're making sure that they know that they can't go out and do something. Because you know it's not dads. Like, no offence to the dads, you should probably agree with me on this, but my husband, when he used to walk around, like when he goes out to the supermarket with the kids, it's like constantly, all these old ladies wanting to give him a wristy mm. or something because they're so <laughs> amazed they're just like it's a dad in public yeah, with like, a child and he's got his child oh my like and you walk if you're in got a baby in a front pack and you're just like and they're just like you better keep that baby quiet yeah. that baby better not make a fucking yeah. noise and then the dad and they're like oh oh <laughs> it's a dad in a front pack. like and it's like what that is political. That is, you know.
3: I, do, I don't know the expression
2: risky. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's My what I'm going to take <laughs> <of> New Zealand.
0: <laughs> 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 We've all stored that yeah. up. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's
2: true. It's dads have praised so much yeah, yeah. for, and then for women, like that's why I love Brand's piece, and you'll hear it. Mm. Um, but it's so. We, wouldn't it be amazing if we lived in a society where children were welcomed everywhere and their mothers were too, and then we actually had this approach of saying to mothers, how are you doing? You're doing so great. Welcome, mm. come and sit down, and there's fucking toys everywhere that you can play with them. And you know, we, it would be nice. I'm not being I don't funny That's you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> Sweden. And Sweden's got Alexander Skarsgård.
0: Yeah, I was going to say they've done that well <laughs> yeah. as well, haven't they? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, um, other things that you guys have in common, is that your first book, Rants in the Dark, Emily, was based on your blog, which you wrote in the wee small hours and then kind of went viral. And, Holly, you had a similar experience when your partner suggested you put up Embarrassed on, you know, YouTube, and it yeah. got one bazillion kind of hits. And, and I suppose you know, and I was saying to Emily, why do you, we think that people connected with it? But it's like that sort of asked you a bit to be psychic, really. So, um, but what kind of feedback did you get that from people who said thank you, thank you, from for putting it out there?
3: Yeah, ju- just that basically. I got um, it was it's a poem I wrote while I was while I was feeding on the toilet basically. I, mm, I took my daughter mm. into a public toilet to feed, and I'd been sat in a cafe about for about. 20 minutes, and then she needed fed, so I left the cafe and was sort of wandering around and went into the toilet, and then she um, fell asleep after I fed her, so I was sat on the toilet for like 45 minutes, because I didn't want to like wander the streets while I could just sit down. I thought, fuck, I was in the cafe, I could have sat there, had like something to eat, but instead I'm sat in the toilet. So I wrote this poem just about being embarrassed to breastfeed in public and how, because it's shite, like, it's Mm, so hard mm. anyway, like, to be... even think about it, it's just rubbish, or think about whether to use a cloth or a bloody whatever. Um, But I didn't share it for, like, a year, a year and a half, maybe, and it was, um, yeah, my daughter's dad that said he thought I should maybe put that one up online. Mm, I just didn't think anyone else did it, and I didn't know any other mums, and I hadn't had any experience of it, really. And yeah, I put it up and it just, yeah, it just got shared. I think like midwives have sort of made my career by sharing. Right, right. They're an unseen
0: force, aren't they? Yeah.
3: Really nice stuff though. Like a couple of them said they um, snuck it in on their phone to like new mums, even though they're not allowed phones in. Um, But it's also the poem that's given me the most hate. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, and I've looked, like, it sounds a bit stupid, but I don't, I don't like, often read loads of the comments. There's just no time don't to read how many it. people think I'm, like, an ugly bitch. But, like, you re- re- read some of them, and I like to go on the analytics. I quite like the sort of statistics and spreadsheets and stuff. Um, and I like to look at where the hate comes from in the world. And with breastfeeding, it's basically only from the U.S that it comes from um, and a lot of the good sharing stuff and specifically Texas seems to be so there's like like it's just opened up this world that I didn't know about it and I wish I'd put it up at the time because I'd stop breastfeeding by the time I put it up and it would have probably helped me more to to get the support yeah, when I was yeah. doing it in a selfish yeah. way but like W- weird stuff that people said, like, I-, I always thought I was embarrassed. I didn't think people were, like, so against it. And one guy said, oh, it's all right for you to do that. If I did it, I'd be called a paedophile. thought that was maybe the weirdest comment I'd heard about, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> it's weirder. It's and then like <laughs> <laughs> he got put on quite a few, like, shared by magazines in the UK and somebody you know just got do you think this is okay so like, i'm so bored do you think it's okay that she does this in public and one woman said oh well, well next time i go to a cafe should i give my partner a blow job at the table
1: oh so it's
3: like yes i'm bored of sitting <laughs> with I'm like great it's something to watch but um
0: aristy at least aristy yeah. yeah that's way and more and discreet
3: yeah. Yeah. You can just do it under
2: the table <laughs> <laughs> Cover it with a I'm newspaper. Sorry, <laughs> really,
3: brought the tone down. No, I love it. I love. I love it. it could be for a man or woman, couldn't it? I think that's why I like this yeah. <laughs> question. Um, but yeah, and there was a, re- a really sad one. This group of mums, who it was also in, in Texas, that they said, "Oh, we're in like a secret breastfeeding club." Because in our village, it's meant it's like a Christian, but I don't know, it's not nothing Christian about it. She said that they did a, like, sermon to say, you know, you don't do this. And if you breastfeed a girl, she'll become a lesbian, which obviously is the worst right. thing. And if you breastfeed right. a boy, he become a sex pest. Um, so they pump their breast milk into a bottle and then go out in public and pretend that it's formula in their village. Oh. So weird stuff. It's opened up like just... <sighs> and then there, there were people from Sweden and Ghana being like, what are you on about? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, Emily, yeah. anyway, were you surprised by how many people reacted <laughs> to your... <Yes. laughs> no, and, I mean, were they saying similar things well, as well? Well, because like, it
2: was like my youngest was like three weeks old and the post, um, I, you know, when I had decided to have a second, totally intentional. um, (laughs) I um, was like, oh, my first one will be sleeping through the night by the time my second one comes because on what planet would you have two children waking up all night and that's what I had. And so I would get one settled and then the other one would wake up and I would settle that one and then the other one would wake up. And then I finally got both to sleep and I went to the toilet and I came back and they were spread across the bed and my husband was just snoring happily. Oh, and yeah. um, and I just like, at first I thought I was gonna burst into, t- into tears and then I just had this like, <laughs> read rage, <laughs> <laughs> I was like <laughs> sat down on the, I like pulled a pillow down and lay down on the floor and I was like, fuck this, and my boobs were <laughs> leaking and I was like, I've ruined my life. <laughs> and so um, I just tapped out something on my phone that I was going to like just look in the morning. I've always been someone who writes to try and work out my feelings. Yeah. And in the morning, I looked at it and i went like, that's fucked up. And then I thought, <laughs> but it's kind of funny, so I'll, I'll send it to a group of us had sort of had two at the same time. And I put it on an old WordPress that hadn't been used for like, it had nothing on it. And then like, Throughout the day, I could hear my phone going, but I couldn't find it, because my fucking child had hit it. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and then, like, I was getting, like, it was ringing, and, and I was like, what on earth? And then I just kind of found it and went online, and the post was everywhere, like, uh, all over every newsfeed and all this, and I was like, oh my God. And I'd been sent it all these times by people being like, look at this crazy bitch, you <laughs> I'm like, Maybe she's very articulate and smart. Um, But so it went like everywhere. And I was like, first I was like, thank God I used a pseudonym. Like, well, I didn't use anything. It had no sign off. It was nothing. And then the other one, I was like, why did I make the headline? I am grateful now fuck off. So, and then I went into my email and it had 15,000 <gasps> emails. So I have like this little uh, oh. screenshot of like the little icon and it says like 15,400. 15, and I was just like, oh my God. And I had a three week old, so I was like, this is, and so I just was like, no. Nope. <laughs> 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 and then it took me like six months to get through them all and reply and all that. And But it was again that like most of them were really amazing stories of like, I. I feel like this. And that made me feel so much better because I thought I was a monster. like, Mm. Mm. And um, that helped so much. And then just really sad stories like mums who were really lonely and felt like nobody else felt like that. And I think that post kind of maybe helped people realise that we all most of us feel that way. I mean, there are a lot who weren't, there are a lot who emailed me who were like, no, you're a monster. Oh. Right. <laughs> and, and like, and you're fat. I'm like, there's no photo, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Like, fuck you, you don't know. I mean, no. how I look, It's that's beside the point. But, <laughs> and um, yeah, and lots of full on, tough, like, you know what it's like, the whole, you know, I, and, um. And I got like a call from um, someone trying to, like media found me and, and were like, is this you and stuff like that. So it was a time and I managed to keep it all hidden and quiet, which was good. But um, yeah, I got a few like, I'm gonna find out who you are so I can report you to child, youth and family and wow. have your children taken away cause you're a monstrous parent and all this. And I was like, do they take them just for the weekend? Cause I could. <laughs> <have you laughs> if you say that to people they get so upset <laughs> like if you're just like oh thank goodness this whole experiment has been a disaster <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i didn't right. know there was an, ouch option. an out of our course and like, now i know <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh. that's a joke if i see on twitter later like and <sighs> emily wright said that she <laughs> <wasn't>.
0: <laughs> But so. it's so. Like, this is the thing. I mean, your book was described, Holly, as the shared unspoken experiences oh, yeah. between mothers.
1: Yeah. And it's
0: slightly horrific that we aren't talking about it with oh. honesty and, you know, compassion, et cetera. And I mean... You know, well, okay, I'm going to join the In My Day committee. I'm sorry, but um, In My Day, because my boys are in their 20s. And we didn't, there wasn't anybody writing about motherhood. I mean, all I had was like my mother's old copies of Emma Bombeck, who was brilliant. But, you know, she was writing from America in the 1960s or something, so it wasn't that relevant. But there wasn't anybody that was writing about motherhood that we could, you know, sort of share that experience with. And so have we started, is this the start of
3: something... I
1: hope, so.
3: oh, I hope so. I found okay. it weird though when people said that, like this unspoken stuff. S- said it not just about the motherhood stuff, about, uh, but uh, other stuff that I write. that's, like, oh, it's taboo, and you're writing about taboos. Mm. It's like, is it? But I didn't mm. genuinely didn't realise that it was because this is shit that I talked to my friends mm. about, yeah. and yeah. we were we were talking about it at like the one baby group that I mm. sort of didn't go to for a year, and then finally went in, and it was fine, and. Um, but yeah, we, we were. So it's, I guess you don't, maybe don't put it up on YouTube or don't put it online. And, but that's what made me sad, I think, that mm-hmm. there were so many mums that hadn't mm-hmm. said something about it. I, f- I find that, like, the thing that most people come up to me after gigs is the writing about sex after having a baby. Mm. I think that's the thing that I find the saddest. Mm-hmm. Like, so many... Um, so many as if they're like all coming up to me. I don't mean like that, but just from doing gigs and doing like book signings. And I love chatting to people after them. It's like the only chance you get to talk to someone on tour. Um, Otherwise, you're on your own all the time. And um, so when they come up and there's so many stories about, oh, I felt like that about, sex and I just couldn't tell my husband or, or the nurse said that I could have sex again. That's like one of the things that I wrote. And I was like, fuck, you didn't, t-, like, she didn't tell me that I could masturbate again or that I could get, like, licked out again or that I could, like, there was nothing else apart from, like, now your partner can penetrate you again. Yeah. You know, I can't, can I trampoline again? Can I jog? Can I have a bath? Mm. Like, yeah. there's other things that I want to do when my kids are six weeks. <laughs> yeah. And don't get me wrong, I know lots of people, like, what probably would be all right for that. But most of the people that I speak to is, is is that. Mm. And so they use it. They're like, oh, I read this to my partner mm. just to show him that it's not just me that doesn't yeah. want to have sex now. And I was like, oh, h- yeah. how are we not speaking about this stuff openly? Yeah. And I, I think really, it's yeah. much, getting much better. I speak to my gran about it, just as a <laughs> sort of point of reference. And she's 92 and we talk about loads. So There's like four generations of women now and we often go on holiday together and Aww. seeing the difference. And she was like, in in my day, I she... <laughs> She says she's alright with me saying it, but she thought that babies were born through your bum until her third child, <laughs> because they said to push through your bum, and it feels a bit like it is coming out of your bum, I think. Um, and she said she couldn't ask; she wasn't allowed to mention her privates. Oh so when somebody then in her third one like mentioned the vagina, she was like, "What?
0: Wow!" And,
3: and there, therefore, and she wasn't allowed to say that she bled. She wasn't allowed to say like that she had ripped so she didn't tell her husband and my granddad was like N- nice guy but she said she couldn't talk about any of that so there was no excuse for her not just like getting on with things going for long walks you know because she couldn't say oh she was bleeding and had to hide like all of that and all the illness and she was the one that sent me loads of cardies when I was pregnant yeah. cause she didn't think that pregnant women should be seen because it showed that I wasn't a virgin. And um, <laughs> But So it's it's so much better. So every time I think, oh, how shit it is, I'm like, all right. So it's mm. on a, hopefully, like, upward trajectory. I, yeah,
2: I really hope that this, that all of the women, I'm such a massive advocate of parents writing about parenting because mm-hmm. I really just want us to break shit open. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, my book. I t- I, when people say, oh, it's the things we don't say with Rants in the Dark. I'm like, we do three wines deep. This is like just yeah. conversations yeah. with yeah. my girlfriends. But, but the thing is, it's the people who don't have that, don't have the girlfriends they can talk to. Um, but also people who don't have kids. I really like it when people don't have, who don't have kids read the book because it's like, then you can know how to support Um, the parents around you because Mm -hmm. there's this idea that you just, like I remember I was so sick when I was pregnant and all I'd wanted was to be pregnant for years and years and years. And then I just puked constantly. I was, went into hospital with dehydration. I was so unwell. And um, my husband's um, grandmother um, said, you know, you're not sick, you're pregnant. And I, and it was just this real, like, putting me in my place, like, that none of the women complain about being pregnant and you shouldn't either, you know. And it was such a big eye-opener for me and my husband that you're, you can be so unwell during yeah. pregnancy. And mm-hmm. I thought, how did I know all these pregnant people? And I never once asked anything beyond, like, oh, how are you doing, like, mm-hmm. you know. How many weeks on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and also just birth and, like, reading so much about birth trauma and people who have kids who are like four and they are struggling with prolapses and still Mm -hmm. getting around Mm -hmm. and are trying to work out, work up the courage to go to a doctor after four years with a prolapse. You know, that's the stories that I'm getting. So I really want us to just break it wide open and be talking about Mm -hmm. this stuff as much as possible because it might be stuff we all talk about, but we need to make sure everybody knows. And that's how we can have Societal government change yeah. around mm. paid parental leave and um, making sure places are accessible and making sure the birthing units allow mm. you to have your um, partner in with you if you need that and all those things we're only going to get them if we start like just really loudly talking about this stuff till it's just normal yeah. You know. I do, do
3: yeah. you think because i always think it's part of this like idea of not being ladylike yes like the stuff and that it's so every day i remember just mm. something. oh this is how all women give birth and i know all birth is different but i remember after giving birth i was like what the fuck? Yeah. yeah like yeah and i, I still cannot believe yeah. how
4: yeah. difficult
3: it yeah. was or how like i had a totally fine uncomplicated like it was fine i had i had no mm. stitch nothing like Mm. And it is so sore, I couldn't Mm. believe it. Mm. And coming out and then, yeah, I know I keep saying about the the politics, but uh, it's very mixed where I live with lots of people from different European countries. And there's three women that I'm friends with that have a prolapse at the moment. Um, And the two women that have come over from France, I was like, well, what about your physio? And we're like, what do you mean, what about your physio? And she was yeah. like, well, after we give birth, we have a, a free physio for a year, and they come once a month to check that you're mm-hmm. doing your exercises. They put their finger up your vagina, mm-hmm. which in Britain we would be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. to, to check. So one of my friends said, oh, I was doing my exercises, but I didn't realise I was doing them wrong, and I've just got a very tight bumhole now. <laughs> 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 um yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like all this stuff, it's like so unladylike oh. to talk about it. But Jesus Christ, you've yeah. got prolapses yeah. because our political system yeah. doesn't have free physio. For, yeah. And I, I think in France she was saying, well, it's more because they put a thing on sex and getting back to like sex. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like a sort of shit reason for it. But she said, you know, every month this physio comes, puts his finger up. Has, she has to do all the exercises to make sure she's doing it right. Gets me- measured to see how like better the muscles are. And if we don't talk about it, that, it won't, won't change. Yeah. And far it's, out. it amazes me just the difference between different European countries. And uh, yeah. yeah oh, but like, give me the head. fucking physio. I want to know if yeah. I'm doing Kegels. I'm doing them right now. I
2: don't know what, yeah. I'm, <laughs> what <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that was at the booth and at the. <laughs> I had a terrible back pain because my second was Ooh, like yeah. just a fucking unit. He was like <laughs> 11 yeah. pounds or something and, um, or something because I just can't think about it. <laughs> and um, so I had to go in the hydrotherapy pool a lot, which was covered by ACC, which is good. Um, but she would always be like, who's um, the little circle of us? And they would say, she said, how many, you're all going to do Kegels and then you're going to tell me how many you've done? But all of us were like, so we want to be like a good mum and do it right. That as he went round, like the mum would be like, I did four, and all this, and the next mum would be like, I did six, and the next <laughs> mum would be like, I did fucking 40. Like <laughs> yeah, competitive kegel. Like, like yeah, yeah, that competitive parents thing. And I'm just being like, I don't, did I do one? I don't know if, oh if oh I did my. one. What and then, like, like, God, I'm so anxious. Everybody knows I didn't do a kegel. And now, what do I say? Do I say more than her, or do I say less, or do I try and do it at the same amount of kegels so nobody looks at me? and then <laughs> oh. like, anxiety? What anxiety? <laughs> oh, shit.
0: I think it's time to get Branavan to jump out mm. of the cake and come and give us his reading. So well Are we allowed to she go five minutes well over well seeing we started oh, five yes, minutes late? Nice. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is Rachel, everybody. Just She's the whole it's organiser. <laughs> she is God. That's awesome. Okay, so it's my great pleasure to introduce Branavan Ninlingham who's wonderful book. and <laughs> Downstream was shortlisted, which I loved, was shortlisted for the Ockham New Zealand Book Awards. He's awesome and he was a contributor to Is It Bedtime Yet? So he's gonna give us the view from the other side. Yeah, come on, let's hear it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no pressure at all. Yeah,
4: I do feel slightly strange about mansplaining at a mother event, but um, <laughs> here we go. You know, things would be pretty sweet if our own incompetence was celebrated. Imagine every mistake at your day job being comedy gold. ha, ha Branavan, he's so shit, what a joker. Good one, <laughs> Branavan. <laughs> Yet there is one job where incompetence is still turned into everyday comedic gold, and that's being a parent, or rather, a male parent. Obviously, this doesn't apply to mothers. Mums are expected to lean in and be the perfect type A while pretending to be type B genius in everything they do, including parenting. For dads, our starting level is set at incompetent. Many people are surprised if we do much more than 10% of parenting duties. Now, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky fellow, the reason why I've had a stomach bug in every inhabited continent in the world, uh, except for North America for some reason, and that's because I am, for the most part, an it'll be right kind of person. When it came to most baby-related things, I had no idea what I was doing in the early days. I still don't, really. I hadn't seen a nappy since I was toilet trained, excluding that one time we did that prank in high school involving Marmite. (laughs) I would have watched a YouTube video about how to put one on, but I was worried about what the authorities might think about my search history. (laughs) I didn't realise the first time I did the baby bath by myself that I should have had the towels and change of clothes ready before the bath. (laughs) As the only vegetarian in the house, my sneaky attempts to propagandise vegetarianism via lentils backfired 12 hours, give or take later. (laughs) I probably should have learned how the car seat worked before I tried to put a baby in it for the first time coming home from hospital. And did you know that babies need to nap? But how many mothers know their shit before a baby is born? Unless you're the oldest child and your parents were strict Catholics, most of my new mother friends had little to no idea what they were doing. But boy, was I given a lot of rope. I couldn't imagine a mother getting that sort of leniency. A baby crying in a restaurant? You, mother, you're as annoying as that time I ate pizza too quickly and burnt the roof of my mouth. How dare your baby cry on the plane when I'm trying to get drunk by myself because it's the one time drinking alone isn't judged but actually encouraged. (laughs) (laughs) God, why are you taking 20 minutes to strap your car into the car seat while I'm waiting here blocking one entire lane of rush hour traffic because I really like your car park? (laughs) When I'm looking after the child by myself, I'm babysitting. Now, if I was a teenager earning sub-minimum wage and drinking a bottle of vodka on the sly, then maybe I'd be a babysitter. Otherwise, it's called being a parent. Daddy daycare is apparently what my home turns into the moment my wife steps out of the house. I'd love to run a daycare, it'd play DAF's The Mussolini on r- repeat while the kids were forced to practice their slip catching and parents would pay me in solid gold and overseas holidays. My home though, now it's, it's childproof, kinda, and features three square meals a day. Ooh, your wife is having a night out, how will you cope? Dunno, the same way I've managed to take care of myself the majority of my adult life. <laughs> Except those times I got those stomach bugs. When I've had to leave early from something to do my parenting duties, I'm frequently treated as if I'm not rushing home to anything particularly important. My criticism of the patronising concept of dad duties isn't, however, an open invitation. Dads, keep your own babies in your own respective houses. (laughs) If there's one thing this world doesn't need more of, it's a guy talking about how to be a mother. But bear with me. It strikes me that there are two ways to ease the pressure on mothers to be perfect. One, we all get to be incompetent, regardless of assigned gender roles. Or at the very least, the fact that none of us know what the hell we're doing isn't seen as that bad a thing. Two, dads everywhere could up their game. For starters, learn to cook, clean, bathe, change and hang out with their child. Jokes about incompetent dads need to become as unfunny as your mate when he's drunk too much and is provoking a fight with a random stranger for no real reason and you're all looking at your shoes.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I suppose the answer is a combination of both, lowering the expectations for mothers and raising the expectations for fathers. If society has an expectation that children will be raised perfectly but that half the parents get a free pass to be half-assed, it's not particularly realistic to put all of that burden of perfection on the other half. And if your dice as a dad is that you need to pretend to be some 10-year-old boy who just needs to be mothered when confronted with a baby, dude, I hope you're not taking care of my aeroplane or providing for safer communities together <laughs> or defending me on my criminal charges or whatever you think manly men should be doing instead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna ask one quick question of all three of them and then I'm gonna open it up for questions. Uh, and my question was, if you could make one change to make parents' lives easier, what would it be? Uh,
4: more information at the start.
0: What, as in, so nobody told me. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So a really big pack and not one that just gives you vouchers for that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even I got the vouchers, yeah. Emily, what would you do?
2: Um, smash the patriarchy and destroy capitalism. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think that would help. Quite a lot. <laughs>
3: Mine's just boring. I just put more money, more government money into parent and support, whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Right.
0: Well, I think we've got roving mics. Have we got roving mics? Roving people. Great. Okay. Probably have room for two, maybe three questions. Anybody? Oh, look at you.
2: Well, we don't have to do questions. We could just have a
3: nap for like
0: two minutes. Everyone,
5: <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry. A question <laughs> up the back, right up the back. I can't see, ora. If we want political change that favours more support and money for the early part of parenting, uh, which is which is in many ways where it's needed the most, I, uh, I mean this is a boring policy wonk question for all of you. Like, like, how do we get political change when? We're also bloody tired, and the thing we're most worried about today in terms of our parenting is, is completely different from the thing we'll be worried about tomorrow. And um, when our child turns one, we're no longer interested in, in sort of maternity, you know, service issues because we're already into, oh, my God, how am I going to get daycare and go back to work to afford the avocados? Um, so, yeah, I think be- I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old and I'm, I'm sort of noticing that I, you know, became, of course extremely way more political the moment I got pregnant, but every three months that, that changes and I don't know where best to put my energy. And I noticed that we're all a bit like that, so we don't have the kind of fight that maybe the taxpayers' union has for their very specific oh, needs them. and goals, you know? <laughs> yeah, fuck them. So, so how, do we, how do we, like, take the energy in this room and expand it out across the country and just get change happening? Given that we've got a, um, a government that's possibly on our side for hopefully the next nine to 12 years,
2: <laughs> can I um, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I usually hate audience questions, but that's a, no offence to the audience, it's just no like one's they ask can, can be like, Yeah, no, nobody time. will. Or it's, or it's just if they're just like, How often do you and your husband have sex? I'm like, Oh, please, kill me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, gosh, I really didn't mean that. I, you know, um, it's just very awkward when you're, like, this far away from a person and they're just like, do you have a prolapse? And I'm like, <laughs> 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 um, So, anyway, but that, I love that question. And so the only way that we can make change is by making heaps of noise. And I absolutely agree with... Um, you know, when you're exhausted and tired and, um, you know, your focus is really on your child. So, one of the things that I think is we need to make um, protests, hecoys, um, getting together conscious, raising stuff, we need to make it accessible to families and mothers. Heaps of the ac- activism um, is not actually accessible to parents, you know, <laughs> late night,
1: Mm, mm, sort of mm.
2: readings and stuff like that where people are sharing information about things, um, protests that aren't safe, you know, um, that type of thing. So that's a number one. Number two is talking to every person around you about what's important to you. So talking about um, the cost of childcare, talking about the fact that there aren't choices for a lot of families about which which childcare they go to and how um, some of those places don't have... Um, what's required of a child and that others your kindy has to you know your teachers are paying for toilet paper you need to tell everybody around you about that when you talk to your midwife you need to find out how much how little she's being paid and then talk to everybody around you about midwives and the work that they're doing share your story about how important it was for you to have the midwife that you did and if you if your birth experience wasn't a good one, complaining and talking to um, the college, talking to the hospital. A lot of issues around birth in New Zealand are actually around understaffing at hospitals, but people don't talk about that, and instead they just go on stuff and go, oh, fucking midwives, and that's not helpful. And it's also not true. So you can have people around you who can fight on your behalf until you have the energy to do it yourself. And if you take every chance that you can on social media to be combating some of the bullshit that's out there, like when you see people say teachers don't deserve a raise because they don't do fuck all, mm-hmm. you go in there and share what your teacher has been like for you and your family or for your child. When they say about midwives, you go in there and say, my mid- talk about, him. my midwife saved my fucking life. Mm. That's true. And so I, now do as often as I can go out and speak about midwives. But that our voice is actually really powerful. We I think that we're so taught as mothers that we need to be quiet and fuck that, we need to be noisy and we need to use our voice. So you don't have to be doing huge big things. You just need to be using your voice. So yeah, I get a sorry, got a bit evangelical <laughs> there like <laughs> Brilliant. And you can ask questions. Right, one question. Okay, one last.
0: Yep, we've got time.
3: Uh, it's not really a question, just thanks to Holly for a fantastic book. If uh, oh, 10 years thanks. ago someone had given me your book instead of Gina Ford's contented at be <laughs> um, I think I probably wouldn't have lost my mind. And sad oh. thing is, I think I gave it to my good friend Lucy, that book. <laughs> so thank you very much. It's an amazing book.
2: Oh, thank Ooh. you.
0: Right, I think, sadly, we will have to leave it there. Um, but Holly and Emily, and are you going to do signings as well? He doesn't know. Right, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Um, they will definitely be doing signings uh, outside. So I think there's a book table set up the front. So if you want to chat and you want to sort of share your stories, etc., I um, hope that's OK that I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I guess.
2: laughs> um, I'm not a monster. I, don't <laughs> mean, I just mean... Some questions can be super personal and you're stuck on stage trying to work out, do I answer this or not? And you know, I didn't, I'm sorry, God. (laughs) I'm going to be so anxious about this for the rest of my life. No, no. it was awesome. And a
0: shout out to the babies again, you were brilliant. And can you join me in thanking Emily Wright, Hilary McNeish, Brandon and